Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Carolyn McChesney. Carolyn is an engagement leader with Stop Meeting Like This, a professional services firm that partners with forward-looking companies to transform how work gets done. They have a unique approach that combines a decades-long background in meeting design with an understanding of how adults learn. And I got an up-close look at how Carolyn and her team work, and let me tell you, it just works. She's here today to share some of those work hacks with us so that we can all work a little bit better and enjoy work just a little bit more. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Thrilled to be here. So what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that work does not have to suck. Here, here. And, <laughs> right? and what I mean by that is I wish people knew that work could be both joyful and productive. It doesn't have to be a choice between what we like and what we have to do. I know we call it work, but I guess at the end of the day, someone listening out there is going to say, hey, it's called work for a reason. So, you know, saddle up and do what you got to do. What's the cost of, of not having a joyful work experience? Yeah, I mean, the costs, there are so many, right? We see what people are, are living through right now. We know the pandemic has hurt people. We know work-life balance um, doesn't feel like a reality for a lot of folks. So from the employee perspective, the cost is I'm not engaged in my work. I never feel like I can get my head above water. And maybe that's making me want to look elsewhere for a new job, which is a lot of discretionary energy, right? To look for a new job, apply an interview. And then from an employer perspective, the cost is your employees are disengaged, they're hurting, like I said, um, they're not producing what you need them to produce. And as a manager, that can be really frustrating, right? When, you, when you're trying to help, um, but you're not necessarily getting what you need. And then when folks do resign, you're dedicating a lot of time, resources, and energy to filling those spots. And we're seeing the challenges, right? All of the articles that we're seeing around the great resignation, great attrition, call it what you will, businesses are up against some very serious challenges, excuse me, up against some very serious challenges right now yeah. because work is not productive and joyful. Yeah. So what are some of those joy killers? We kind of intuitively know them, but you guys in your work at Stop Meeting Like This have seen it up close. So what's killing the joy? Yeah. Yeah. So there are many, but what we see most commonly are the joy killers that make it truly impossible to love your job. And those are bad meetings, email addiction, distraction, and exhaustion. That's yeah, what we feels see like a, This is a laundry list of top worst things that happen at work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's break them down because I feel like even though we all experience those in varying degrees of suckiness, <laughs> that, that there, are, there are ways to be better at them, but we first have to understand sort of why they're sucking the life out of us and and how we might do them a little better. So let's start with the bad meetings. Uh, we've had our share of those, certainly. Um, and especially when they move online, they have their own unique set of challenges. How do we fix that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's important to think about too with all of these joy killers is it's not a knowing problem. Intellectually, we know what bad meetings look like, right? We sit through them, we sit there and think, oh, this could have been an email. 
So it's not a knowing problem. It's much like um, health and fitness, right? We know that we should eat better, exercise more, but still we find ourselves indulging or not running that extra mile, whatever it may be. Um, and so when it comes to bad meetings, it's being intentional. First, mm. think about, did I actually design this meeting? Am I clear yeah. on my purpose? If you spend five minutes designing a meeting up front, the impacts are significant, not only for you as a meeting host, but anyone who joins, right? Um, and that means you've thought through, how are you going to engage with participants? What are you looking to accomplish? What's your outcome? Spend five minutes doing that. Now I'll tell you, Joe, the biggest pushback we get is people say, I don't have time. I'm in back-to-back -back meetings for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. How can I design a meeting? That sounds like a really big lift. Decline one meeting. Now you have time to design those other meetings and That's you're winning smart. on two fronts, right? You yeah. got out of one meeting that probably could have been an email and now you're setting up your other meetings for success. And it's actually really empowering to decline a meeting. I think people will be surprised by how good it feels. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> so, but now you've declined a meeting, you've turned it into email. And of course the risk with that is email overload. My goodness, my inbox, if you mm -hmm. could see it right now, it's kind of a hot mess. So when we work together on a client training, I noticed something that you guys did, which I found so smart and yet so simple. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is the way that we title our emails right? yes. with the yes. action. Yeah. Yes. With the action that's required. So what that means is we put words like action or inform in all caps within brackets before the rest of the subject line information. And that helps the receiver better prioritize how and when they respond. So if I just want, Joe, you to be aware of an update, that's an inform email. If I need you to get back to me on something, that's an action email, right? It's very clear, very simple, and it helps the receiver prioritize how they use their time so they're not endlessly scrolling through a checklist in their inbox. It was such a service to, to have that. It almost felt like a relief to not now have to think through what is this about? Did I miss something? I knew exactly what I needed and you guys helped me do that. That was excellent. Mm -hmm. So with that ability to focus, I find at least today, I don't know if you feel the same way, that we're more distracted than ever. That's something we covered with Amy Herman back on episode 57. It's a good listen. You guys should uh, hit it up. It's in the show notes. And I guess right now we're fighting on a lot of fronts, right? Obviously we have the work-life harmony that you, you discussed. We have issues that are coming up at work. We have a constant response reaction system to changes in our environment, both in, in the workplace and out of the workplace. How do we regain our focus? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think at this point, hopefully we all know that as humans, we're not good at multitasking. Even if we think we are, we're really not, right? Because it requires us to switch our attention from one task to another. And there's a cost to that. There's mm -hmm. a cost to switching back and forth because every time you switch, you have to remind yourself what you were doing, yeah. right? And that increases your cognitive load. So when we think about task switching, we want to think about how do I create a structure? How do I create a workday that really minimizes the need to task switch? So one thing folks can do is block their thinking time during energy peaks. It may sound obvious. Um, a lot of folks think that means they should block time in the morning. For most people, that's when they do their best thinking. I will tell you, for me, it's not. So I had to be really intentional about when my best yeah. thinking happens. Block that time whenever is conducive to you. 
and block it for at least 90 minutes, which sounds like a big ask sometimes, but that's what it takes to get into a true mental flow state. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, you know, things that we may know, but don't actually do, I could be really provocative, get up and turn off your Wi-Fi or disable it from your phone or your computer for that 90 minutes so you can actually think, put down the smartphone, close those other applications until you finish the task at hand. That's blasphemy. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Live without Wi-Fi? <laughs> um, that's so true though. It's so true. We, we are sometimes our own biggest distractors. We just can't keep our focus. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it's not just that. I feel like that, that speaks into this other observation I've, I've noticed in the workplace and it's been well-documented, but I still think it's present and that's the emotional wear and tear. Yeah. So how are we going to keep up that energy and morale? It seems harder than ever. Yeah. We have to pay attention to our exhaustion, right? That wear and tear, what are our bodies telling us? Um, I used to wonder every Thanksgiving for years, I would get sick over that Thanksgiving holiday break. And I always thought it was a coincidence until one day I had this awakening, this moment of telling myself, you know what? No, my body is just waiting for that quiet pause, waiting for me to take a seat and a deep breath. And it's telling me, slow down, take a nap. We need to rest. And that's what we need to do to combat this exhaustion, right? We yeah. need to sleep. We know it's important. Um, from a memory perspective, from a cognitive functioning perspective. And I don't know about you, but when I get good sleep, I exercise more, yeah. I eat better. Honestly, I'm generally just a more pleasant person to be around, so everyone benefits. And then there's the movement piece. You talked about keeping your energy up, right? So yeah. are you stretching? Are you walking? Are you doing jumping jacks for 10 seconds between calls? Whatever it takes to get you up out of your chair. Um, and, and elevate your mood, yeah. right? Elevate your yeah. mood so that you feel refreshed to jump back in. It's not a rocket science. I mean, that's, I think no. the beauty of the system, it's a rhythm, it's, it's a routine. And with just smarter shifts and how we think about our day and how we think about our work, we can make a big difference in all that. Absolutely. And it's a routine for the individual, right? And then it's also an opportunity for leaders to look at their routine and look at the structures that they've put in place for folks too, because I'm not sure that it's fair um, to put all of this on the individual, right? We know that the stickiest change is at the system level, but it's a balance. It's a balance of leaders recognizing um, where they could do things differently, where the organization could do things differently, and individuals stepping up and saying, I'm taking back some ownership of my day. I'm blocking time for when my energy peaks so that I can be my best self as a member of this team and this organization. And when we support each other in that effort, both sides will, in fact, make work feel maybe a little bit less like work. Carolyn, exactly. thank you for the wish and the tips. Uh, where can we find out more about Stop Meeting Like This if we want to get to know more about the approach of the organization and the work you guys do? Absolutely. You can visit our website, stopmeetinglikethis.com, as well as our Instagram account. And we are um, excited to continually publish these look forward guides that have tips and tricks like this for you throughout the year. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.